counsellor or a psychotherapist wanting to attract more clients more simply, then you, lovely person, are in the right place. Because I'm here to help you navigate marketing and remove any confusion and overwhelm that you might feel. Oh, and ditch that critical, nagging inner voice too. So each week I'll offer you inspiration, motivation and practical advice so you can get your marketing done and then get on with your life. I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hello, hello, hello and welcome back. And if this is your first time here, it's really great to have you on board. I hope you enjoy your stay. Now, I think you're going to enjoy today's podcast because we're going to be looking at mindset. You've probably heard about mindset. You know, people talk about mindset all the time. But I want to do a little bit of a deep dive in what it really is and how, you know, how working on your mindset is actually going to help you. So we're going to have a look, like I say, at what is mindset. We're going to look at the importance of mindset when you're running a private practice We're going to look at the, you know, what might happen if you don't work on your mindset. I also share with you how I manage my own imposter syndrome. And I'm going to share with you a few questions for reflection too. So I hope that you're going to find this useful. So let's get started. So what actually is mindset? Well, let me start by talking about Flossie. So Flossie is a client. She's a made up client, to be honest. But Flossie came to counselling because she's going through a painful breakup. And through exploration, it becomes really apparent that although she'd love to have a happy and a fulfilled relationship, she's in a pattern of falling for unavailable partners. And basically, she's self-sabotaging. She's choosing people that she's never going to be able to have a relationship with. Now, through further exploration, you might identify how issues from her past were causing these behaviours. And through yet more exploration, together you can start identifying what actually her needs are in a relationship. You might look at what boundaries she might want to set up to protect herself. You might want to look at some self-care activities. And you might even want to look at, you know, looking at communication skills. Now, if Flossie hadn't come to counselling, she might have stumbled just from one unsatisfactory relationship to another blaming the partners, blaming herself, but basically going through, you know, awful experiences and heartbreak time and time again. So through counselling, she changed her mindset. So she was able to understand herself. She was able to understand her needs better. So she started being able to identify any red flags that were being shown and protect herself from getting involved with people that ultimately just weren't a very good fit for her. So she starts to believe that, yes, she is worth being treated with respect. Yes, she does deserve some love in her life. And yes, that really can happen. So you go, Flossie. Fantastic. Now, how would you describe Flossie's experience of therapy? Well, it's not always easy, is it? I mean, I think if somebody just says to you, well, come on, how does therapy work? It's hard to just say because there's so many different types of therapy, so many different reasons for going to therapy. It's just not a very easy question. But one way to describe it is that it helps with mindset. So with Flossie, it's actually helped her with her mindset. 
So exploring those thoughts, those feelings, those ideas and those patterns that she was unaware of but was holding her back, you know, that was a mindset thing. Now, we might not usually refer to what we do with clients as mindset work, but according to the merriamwebster.com dictionary, the definition of mindset is a mental attitude or inclination or a fixed state of mind. And think about it, you know, that's exactly what we work with, isn't it? That's what a counsellor works with, a person's mental attitude and their fixed state of mind. And we help to change that fixed state of mind. So for me, I believe that counselling shines a light on what's happening in somebody's personal life so that ultimately they can protect themselves from self-sabotaging behaviours. Think about the Jahari window which is all about shining a light on our blind spots, on the parts of ourselves that we're just unaware of. So self-awareness, really, that's what it is. It's learning about yourself so that you know what you need, what you want, what problems you have. And, you know, self-awareness is everything, isn't it? And if you want to learn about the Jahari window, um, go and do a little look on Google. So it could be said that therapy is about exploring and changing mindset. Like I say, you might not agree, you know, that might not be a term that you're used to, but it could definitely be said that therapy is about exploring and changing mindset. So let's have a look at the importance of mindset in private practice. So what does mindset have to do with attracting more therapy clients? Well, it has everything to do with it as it happens because you're a human. I always say human first, counsellor second. So you are a human. (laughs) So let's talk about Kate. So again, Kate is a made up person. So this is Kate. Kate trained to be a therapist and she absolutely loved the whole process. I don't know about you. I love training to be a counsellor. So she loved the whole process and now she's qualified, she's insured and she's got a place to see clients, whether that's online or whether that's in uh, face to face. Now, she knows that there are millions of people struggling with their mental health. And she also knows that after the lockdown, more people than ever are in need of help. And in her mind's eye, she might have assumed that once she became qualified, because so many people benefit from therapy, that clients would be looking and clients would find her. Kind of like if you build it, they will come, you know, like in Field of Dreams. But the reality of running a practice isn't like that. Basically, Kate has to learn how to market her practice. She has to let people know who she is and who she helps. And that's a whole new skill set to master, isn't it? So here's a question you'll know the answer to. So what happens when we leave our comfort zone? Well, we get anxious, don't we? And all those insecurities start to flood out. You know, that fear of not being good enough, that fear that you'll fail and everybody's going to laugh at you. There might be a little voice in your head saying that, well, you just fluked getting here and now you're going to be uncovered as the fraud that you are. Oh my God, the shame. It might be a little voice or it might be a big loud voice shouting. Now, if you can identify with anything Kate is going through, please, please, please don't worry because this is totally normal. You know, it's annoying that it is, but it is totally normal. So you are totally normal if you have fears and if you self-sabotage. So look, 
If you do, take a big, deep breath and just let that go. So just to put this into context, they do say that only psychopaths and narcissists don't get imposter syndrome. So that's reassuring, right? (laughs) And myself, you know, I have struggled, you know, with all of the different mindset issues at different times. And my imposter syndrome is never far away. It's legendary. So, you know, I've got a critical father. So his voice is never far away. It's in my head, just letting me doubt myself a little bit more. So look, I promise you, I know how awful that this is. It really is horrible. It knocks your confidence. It makes you just want to hide away. And it's confusing. It's exhausting. It's actually really quite bewildering. But unfortunately, it is normal. Everybody in business gets this to a greater or lesser extent. You know, some people will get it worse than others. Everybody will get it. And let's face it, this isn't exclusive just to people in business, is it? You know, imagine that you bag a date with that sexy person you've had your eye on for ages. Or imagine that you get that promotion that you've been working towards. Or that you're chosen to be in the football team. You know, that initial excitement can give way to imposter syndrome. Fears that you aren't good enough, that people will be disappointed with you. Or people will laugh at you and you'll be humiliated. It's horrifying, isn't it? There's no wonder it makes us stop in our tracks. So imposter syndrome really is an incredibly nasty thing. It's a bit like starting a 20-mile hike only to realise that you've got that pair of socks on that keeps slipping down in your boot. You know, it's going to make you miserable. It's going to slow you down. It's going to cause pain. It's going to make everything so much harder for you. So yes, of course, you want to protect yourself from this. And that's exactly what self-sabotage is. So outside of your conscious awareness, you know, you're not going to necessarily know that you're even doing it, but you put blocks in the way in order to avoid these negative consequences. So for Kate, it could be things like, you know, she could procrastinate. So she gets caught up in doing busy work busy work that leaves her feeling exhausted. She's always working, but she's not actually achieving anything. Or it could be something like perfectionism. So spending so long dotting every I, crossing every T, until she feels absolutely exhausted, but she's not really achieved anything. Or she might get comparisonitis. She might get obsessed with looking at what other people are doing and comparing herself to them in a way that, you know, she's never going to measure up to them in the way that she's looking at them. Or shiny object syndrome, maybe she's constantly starting new projects, only to ditch them halfway through when the next new and more exciting, more more sexy thing comes up. So yeah, you've guessed it, she gets exhausted, but she never really achieves anything. And as I say, this is done outside of her conscious awareness. So she doesn't understand why she's not moving her practice forward. So consequently, she just blames herself. You know, she tells herself it's her fault. And the, the really sad part is that it can lead Kate to feeling so disheartened that she tells herself she can't do it and she just gives up. So I'm here to tell you that she can do it, you can do it, but you have to prioritize working on your mindset. Otherwise, you're going to self-sabotage yourself to, you know, just not getting on at all. 
So what might happen if you don't work on your mindset? So if you don't, well, we'll think back to Flossie and her relationship. So Flossie, right at the beginning, she was having unsuitable relationships. Now, if she hadn't decided to get therapy, she would have stayed in the same relationship patterns and probably would have stumbled from one, you know, unsuitable relationship to the next, blaming a partner, blaming herself. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but look, if you don't work on your mindset and your fears take over, you might just self-sabotage your way out of business. So your fear of visibility could mean that potential clients won't even know that you're there. Your perfectionism could mean that you never make your website live or post a blog. Or your procrastination or perfectionism means that you're working all hours, but you're not seeing any results. And what happens then is you give up. You tell yourself that you knew this would happen. You can't do this. You're just a bit rubbish. And that anxiety will get a tighter grip of you and can step into other areas of your life. Okay. Sorry, guys. That got bleak really quickly, didn't it? But I have seen so many extremely talented, passionate, highly qualified therapists give up when really focusing on mindset would have made such a powerful difference to them that they could have gone on to have a successful practice. So let me just talk to you a little bit about my imposter syndrome. You know, I said before, I get imposter syndrome and my God, I get it so bad. I mean, it it really can be crippling. And it was never as, you know, it's never more so than when I wrote the Grow Your Private Practice book. So I can remember one particular weekend, it just floored me. I was trying to work on my book and I just kept having all these negative thoughts in my head, telling myself I couldn't do this. Who am I to say, you know, who am I to write a book? Who the hell would read my book? Once they read my book, they're going to see that I know nothing. And it just absolutely floored me. And I was completely in bits. So here's what I did. So I tidied the house. So I had a really good tidy round. I made it look nice. I lit the candles. And whilst I did that, I listened to, well, I I listened to different things. I listened to like uplifting music to sort of help me to feel a bit more, you know, a bit more uplifted. But also I listened to a lot of inspirational podcasts while I did it. So I listened to podcasts about imposter syndrome, lots of mindset podcasts, giving like lots of motivation, that sort of thing. I also concentrated on doing some journaling. I wrote down what was going on, how I was feeling, and just sort of really explored what was going on. But something that that I did that was a real game changer for me is that I spoke to some people in a membership that I was in. Now, this was a game changer for me because I'm not particularly good at talking to people when I'm struggling. So after I've done my struggling, I can speak to people then and say, oh, I had a really bad time. But when I'm in the middle of it, I'm not very good at at reaching out to people. So the fact that I actually reached out to people whilst I was in the middle of this was a really big change for me. So in this membership, I started out just saying, hi, guys, um, I'm just really having a tough time. I've got imposter syndrome. Do you get it? How do you cope with it? And I didn't really say a lot about what was happening because I don't know, I'm just not very good at that. And what I got was, I just got loads of support back. So quite a lot of people 
responded to what I'd said. Some people gave me some ideas of what to do, but ultimately what most people did was to say, oh, I really struggle with it too. And they left me really supportive messages. They told me, you know, how much they struggled with it and what they did. So the upshot of that was, and this is so important, I felt so supported. I didn't feel alone. And that was new for me because I tend to just go through through things on my own. Yeah, I know I'm an ex-counsellor. I know we, we know the right things to do. That doesn't mean we do them. I tend to close myself off and deal with it before I speak to people. And this just made me think, right, okay, maybe it is safe to let people know that I'm struggling with something. Maybe if I dip my toe into saying I'm struggling, and remember, I didn't really give them a lot of information about what was happening. So I thought if I do dip my toe in and let people know, just to see what their reaction is going to be, then I can gauge the reaction and sort of get that support. I hope that makes sense. It may be, you know, I'm just wondering if you're like me, you might think, oh, I'm not very good at asking for help. Well, you don't have to go full in. You don't have to throw yourself in. You don't have to do like a, a massive, you know, explanation of what's happening. I just said, I'm really struggling with imposter syndrome. You know, do you ever get it? And people just were so supportive. So I suppose what I'm saying is, if you feel like that, reach out to people. And if you're in the Grow Your Private Practice membership, come into the come into the membership area and talk to us. You know, that's what we're there for. So all of this helped me absolutely enormously. And when imposter syndrome hits me now, and it does, it still hits me, you know, that it doesn't magically disappear. You know, it still hits me now. And I'm sure it will go on hitting me because it's just part of being human. But now when it hits me, it's different because I know that I've got something in my life that works. So what I do is I kind of stop. I spruce up my living space. I practice some really robust self-care. And I talk to someone I know about how I'm feeling. And this really works for me. Now, of course, we're all different. And what works for me just might not work for you. So I'm not saying that that's the thing that you've got to do. But what I am saying is some robust self-care is pretty much always a good place to start. So it's about, for you, learning about yourself. It's that self-awareness of understanding that you're struggling and of understanding that you need to do something to help yourself. Now, a little caveat here, you know, like Flossie with her relationship issues, there's always going to be more for her to learn about herself. It's something to constantly be working on. So look, like I say, you're not just going to get rid of your fears forever. Imposter syndrome is still going to lurk in your head, ready to pounce when you're on a low ebb. But now you'll know what you're working with and you'll know that you've got something in your arsenal to help with it. And you know what to watch out for within yourself. So instead of going down an I can't possibly do this spiral, you can acknowledge that this is just my imposter syndrome doing its thing again. And you can get some tools and techniques ready for when you need it. You know, you don't have to have it totally eradicated for you to have a successful practice. Do it scared, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. And just remember that action is the antidote to fear. You can totally do this. You really, really can. Just because you're scared of something doesn't mean to say you can't do it. So let's have a look at some questions for reflection. So journaling, I think, is a really, really great tool 
to really increase your self-awareness. And the beauty of it, of course, is it's totally free. All you have to do is just write. So, I mean, there are some little tips here. So the first thing I would say is always come from a place of curiosity. So saying something like, oh, that's interesting. I said I was going to start blogging, but I haven't published a single thing yet. I wonder why that is. That is going to be far more beneficial than saying, well, I still haven't published a blog yet. I'm so useless. So you can see the difference there. So the trick is to come at it just from a place of curiosity. That's the best thing to do. So here are a few different questions for reflection. You can ask yourself, what is it that you're really afraid of? See what comes up. Where has this fear come from? You know, what's the origin story? How true is this belief? You know, is it actually true that this thought that you have might actually happen? And what can you do to help yourself? So what would you recommend somebody else do if they were in a similar situation? And finally, what can you do to protect yourself going forward? So have a think about some things that you can put in place. So it might be there are some boundaries that you need to put in place. So just because you're a therapist doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean you have to be a self-actualized person. Don't put yourself under that pressure. You're just a mere human, (laughs) just the same as everybody else. You're flawed, you're complicated, probably even a little bit broken too, you know. That doesn't mean that you can't be successful. I promise you, I promise you, you can totally do this, but you just have to prioritize looking at your mindset issues. But just like Flossie, a little exploration will leave you feeling more in control and able to protect yourself. So when you uncover and understand your fears, then you can start taking steps to work on them. Now, in the Grow Your Private Practice membership this month, it's Mindset Month, and it turns out that we have over 26 workshops. I'm saying over 26 workshops because there are things on there that sort of, they're kind of mindset and other things as well. So, But we've got over 26 workshops and guest expert workshops that are available to members now that will help you with your mindset. So if you're a member, please go and check them out. Have a look in the course library section, filter your results to mindset and money, and everything that's to do with mindset and money will just show up. Or here's something you could do. Listen to some podcasts about the thing that you need extra help with. I'll share a list of podcasts that I've done below or around this recording somewhere. So take a little look and see what I've done. You could also look for books or audio books about the subject that you're struggling with. Or you can follow experts on social media who work with this particular subject. So there might be some authors or coaches or, you know, people that that deal with this particular subject. So follow them on social media, check them out on YouTube and really start learning all about it and how you can handle it and how you can manage it. But a little reminder that the most important thing to do is to actually take action. Actually take action and do something. Because remember, information without action is merely entertainment. I talk all about this in episode 87. So hop over and have a listen to that as well. So there you have it. That's why mindset is so important when it comes to running a practice. It's important because if you don't work on your mindset, fears and self-sabotage can actually put such 
big blocks in the way, it makes it almost impossible to find success and attract clients. And I don't want that for you. And it goes without saying that if you're ready to make a difference and move past these blocks, the Grow Your Private Practice membership is waiting and ready to support you. So look, keep learning, keep growing, and keep going, keep going. Thank you so much for taking time to listen. And if you found this episode useful, please hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. So all that's left to say is I have an absolutely fantastic rest of the day and I hope to see you again next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, then please subscribe to the show. And while you're there, I'd love it if you could leave me a big, shiny five-star review. Bye.